You're listening to Biceps After Babies Radio, episode 288. Hello, and welcome to Biceps After Babies Radio, a podcast for ladies who know that fitness is about so much more than pounds lost or PRs. It's about feeling confident in your skin and empowered in your life. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, a registered nurse, personal trainer, wife, and mom of four. Each week, my guests and I will excite and motivate you to take action in your own personal fitness as we talk about nutrition, exercise, mindset, personal development, and executing life with conscious intention. If your goal is to look, feel, and be strong and experience transformation from the inside out, you, my friend, are in the right place. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, and today I have a really fun conversation, and really that's what it is. It's just it's just like a peek into a conversation. Uh, it's a little less structured than some of my podcast episodes, and it's just an ability for me and a couple of my friends. You guys know Heidi and Natalie from Butter Your Macros. They've been on the podcast a bunch of times. They are my real-life friends, my real-life gym buddies, and these podcast episodes become just kind of a chance for us to just chat and just have a conversation, kind of let you in on some of the types of conversations that we have at the gym. These are kind of some of the, the, the topics that we'll talk about, the things that we'll talk about in between sets or in between wads, and we think it's just fun to come on to the podcast and just kind of riff a little bit together. So again, these are a little un, more unstructured, but that doesn't mean they're not full of a lot of wisdom and insight uh, because as we kind of build on each other and build on our experiences, uh, magic gets kind of made and it's really exciting to be able to have them back on the podcast. So today's topic is is a really good one. And, and I guess the way to like boil this topic down into uh, one word would be expectations. And I... I coach a lot on this, on helping to people to have set the good good expectations, or maybe a better word is like a skillful expectation as they come into this process. Because a lot of times people come into their fitness journey having an idea of what it's going to look like. And I would say more times than not, the process is very different from what you were expecting. And that can freak a lot of people out because we think, oh, I, I'm doing this wrong, or this I must be on the wrong path, or I'm not doing this the right way because this is looking different than I thought it would look. And that's where I, as a coach, can step in and say, no, your, your expectations were just off. <laughs> There's nothing wrong. You're, you're on the right path. You're doing the right things. You're moving in the right direction. The only thing that's quote unquote wrong is that you had different expectations about what this was supposed to look like. So expectations are incredibly important and the type of expectations you come in to this process with will impact how long you stick with it, what results you get, how quickly you get the results and how happy you are while getting those results and when you get those results. So expectations is a really important conversation and it's why Nat and Heidi and I wanted to be able to have this topic be brought onto the podcast and be able to share it with you. So we're going to jump into, I'm not even calling it an interview. I'm just going to call it a conversation with me and Butter Your Macros. Well, good morning. <laughs> we were actually just talking about how we feel, but we're super excited to record this podcast together. <laughs> it's probably been, I don't know, has it been like a year since we've recorded together? Maybe. Right? Too long. It has been Too a year long. because it was the one we did about quitting and it was right after the CrossFit quarterfinals oh, and like the quarterfinals right. just happened. So that's right. And if anybody wants an update, we all still feel like quitting pretty often. <laughs> In fact, the coach at our gym this morning was playing music during the workout and it was Ariana Grande first. And it's like, this is the part where I say that I don't want to say something. And that was exactly like not like, cause it was a two parter. It was like, you finish the first part and then you get a three minute rest and then you have a second part. And both of us were super accurate. I don't want to. And then it was like a Madonna song. What was it? Like, um, Oh, shoot. Of course, I don't you remember know. all the songs. I just thought it was super funny because I'm like, oh, you made the perfect playlist. I was like, I don't want to quit or something or like, I don't know, give up or something. I'm like, no, actually, it sounds pretty good. <laughs> anyway, on that note, we're hanging out today talking a little bit about kind of, I mean, I guess we could weave quitting in there because it's usually the part where they want to quit. <laughs> um, just to talk a little bit about whether you want to call them roadblocks or pretty common thoughts uh, when anyone is either embarking beginning or in the middle of, or starting again on whether you want to label it, we need to really need a new word outside of fitness journey. I but, know, right. Um, or any kind of 
goals that you're pursuing. So just kind of common thoughts. We'd love to talk a little bit about timelines and expectations and entitlements and just little things that we've kind of noticed over, I don't know, the past like five, six, eight years or so. But also just, I mean, when we're guilty of these as well, it's not that like you can become immune to these kind of thoughts. But I think having a little bit of idea of like context for the things that you want and the things that you do really can make the process feel a lot more supportive um, instead of destructive or like you're just spinning your wheels. And I think a pretty common theme is like, they don't want to put the effort in unless they know for sure they're going to get something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And to like, so give some context as to why we're getting on and talking about this. So Heidi Nat and I work out most days of the week together, right? We're at least at the gym together. And so we chat. And a lot of times our chats are, you know, about our own life, but oftentimes we're chatting our own life, both all of us coach people. And so that's a big part of our life. And so a lot of times we're talking about things we see on Instagram or struggles our clients are having or things that we're seeing as patterns in people that we're coaching. And oftentimes we'll bring it up and, you know, Nat will bring up something and be like, oh gosh, yeah, like I have the same thing with my client. And so we kind of riff with each other about um, things that we're seeing in the fitness world as well as with our clients. And this is a, a big topic that we just started chatting about and saying, hey, there's a lot here that we could really talk about because we see this a lot with our clients of an expectation of if I put in XYZ effort, I'm going to get ABC results. And then when that is incongruent and that doesn't happen, that causes a lot of issues internally. And, you know, us as coaches are helping to work clients through that. And so we kind of started, Nat and I started talking about this one day and we were like, we, have, we can have a whole podcast episode on this. And so here we are having a whole podcast episode on it. <laughs> and I feel like we're, our work is really cut out for us. I mean, I think especially as we start to like add in AI to a lot of things, <laughs> the level of unrealistic expectations is just going to soar, right? Because there was some article I was reading and I think it actually was a study or created by a website called bulimia.com. And it was talking about like the perfect person, right? Or the perfect body, perfect look, perfect, whatever. And they had AI run these simulations and the bodies are not much different than what you would see on Instagram and social media Mm. as as well as like faces, right? Like similar looks, similar faces, similar bodies. And I think we're just going to, unless you get ahead of like what your expectations are from even an aesthetic perspective or time perspective, we're just going to get more and more convoluted thoughts and images and timelines as this kind of stuff spins out. Right. And so I think kind of getting ahead of like what is real versus what is not real would be a really helpful discussion. Well, so let's start there because this is often a question. I think some clients are uh, self-aware enough to know that that's a good question to ask, right? And so I'm sure you get this too, where people come in and they're like, okay, I know I shouldn't have unrealistic expectations. So so help me set realistic expectations. So what does that even mean? And how do we, how does one determine what are realistic expectations? So you're not setting yourself up for getting disappointed. Well, it's a great question. <laughs> it's a I great mean, question. <laughs> and uh, context matters enormously here, mm-hmm. right? Like, what what is your goal? What is your lifestyle? What is your history? Um, what do you want? And that's going to vary from, from person to person, which I think is why, you know, the old adage of like, it, it might be simple, but it isn't easy to figure out exactly what that is, right? Yeah. Um, and And not only are there like, I mean, we're, we're at least, we're, when it comes to self-awareness, at least we have this, this blank canvas of like body data to sort of figure out what expectations are. I mean, you move away from something that has like a finite goal you're working towards and those questions and expectations become even more nebulous, right? Like you, like it's one thing to focus on building strength or, or adding muscle, right? That we have measurements and weights and progressive overload and those, all those kinds of things, but feeling good about yourself, right? That, that, that's, those are two totally separate goals that sometimes can work together, but it all depends on how you, how the process goes, right? (laughs) Yeah. And so often people collapse those two things down and they think if I get the muscle, if I lose the weight, then I will feel better. 
And, you know, what Heidi said was just so important is that those are both valid and awesome goals, but they're not the same goal. And there's a problem when you think that they are one and the same goal. And when you split those goals out and realize those are two separate goals and they are probably two separate paths to get there, then you can more likely achieve maybe one and or both of those goals. Mm -hmm. Um, But what a lot of people do is they say, when I lose the 20 pounds, then I'll feel better. And then they get to the 20 pounds and they're like, crap, I don't feel any better. What, what what the heck? Like I thought that these things would this would make me feel this way. Yeah. Or they swap what the the what is prompting the negative thoughts is swapped to something different, right? Sure. Like, yeah. I think it'd be interesting to also dissect like what's the difference between real and realistic? Because I actually feel like those are two mm. different things in a lot of ways too. Wait, right? tell me more. Well, I think it's like you, you know, you have what is real and what is what is real for a person and what is realistic is completely different things. I mean, I think that it also is subjective to the individual, right? Like what's realistic for the three of us individually doesn't change the fact that there are things that are real for us universally, right? Does that make sense? It's like, is it like the difference between like an attainable versus maintainable? Is that kind of what you are seeing it as? I mean, is our, okay, let's just like for lack of a better idea right now, let's just say our six packs real for sure. Are they realistic for everybody? No. Mm, right. Yeah. It's like, so that's also, I think sometimes the disconnect that people have is like, just because you see it and it really does exist, right. Doesn't necessarily mean that it is realistic for you. Yes. And that is a big pro- a problem with social media. And even just like, I think our, our industry in general, it's like, is it like when we work out and when we do things, are these all real workouts for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. And is a real workout. Mark Harrell's a real workout bicep curls are a real workout, but do they yield the same thing? And and, Mm. and what does it yield? Is that a realistic achievable thing? Whatever marker you're using to whether create, whether it's a PR or an aesthetic result or a time or whatever, it's like, you know, is it realistic for me to do Fran and get the same time as somebody who is a CrossFit Games athlete? No, that is not realistic. Is it a real workout? Yes. Totally. Or like becoming bikini pro lean. Is that, does that really happen in life? Absolutely. Can, can, can like a, a woman with an overwhelmed lifestyle already get to that goal without major life change? No. It, is that even possible for, for that specific person? Well, it becomes the question of like, is it worth it as well? It's like, yeah, exactly. A lot of times it, I guess you could get there, right? It's, but, but the sacrifice that would be required in order to attain that is, is maybe probably mostly not worth it. Mm-hmm. And so then you have to ask yourself that question is like, it's not even only is it realistic, is it's like, do I, do I want to put the cost in? Do I want to pay, pay the fee that's required in order to get that? One of the best infographics I think we've ever seen is the, is the precision nutrition infographic, the cost of being lean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're listening to this and you've never seen that, Google it because that, that, and you're, you're wondering if your expectations are realistic. That's also, that's a, that's a pretty vivid image when it comes to like, um, getting lean or building muscle. That's, that's a pretty good infographic. Oh, it's amazing. I think it just really gives a lot of context for like where people are in their lives and the sacrifices that go along with having certain things. And so when we talk about expectations, I think that there is that, that connection to what's realistic for you. It's like, do your expectations for yourself line up with what's realistic for you? Like they go to in tandem, right? It's like, you can expect a lot of things, (laughs) (laughs) and not have it really be realistic for you, right? Or what's realistic for you can therefore also kind of cultivate your expectations around the thing. And I think that part of self-awareness, I think people miss, right? Mm -hmm. They just see this end result and they're like, I want that. It's like, okay, well, that's super awesome because at least you know, you know, what you want. But is it a realistic and achievable goal for you in the sense that like, sure, if I put in this effort or I carve out this time or I put myself in a position physically and mentally to be able to achieve it, I think it's always just kind of a worth, like an ask, a worthy ask to be like, is that actually something that I really want? And then is it realistic for me? And then also what is it need? What do I need to do to achieve that? Those are all, I think, incredibly, you know, thought provoking things that most people don't ask. They just think like, I want this. Like I want 20, I want to lose 20 pounds right now. Okay. How realistic is that for you now? Well, it's like, I've got six vacations coming up. I've got this, 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 and this, and this probably really realistic. No. Right. And that's like our job as coaches to be like, let's look at these timelines that like we have expectations surrounding too. Can you lose 20 pounds like in a year, a year and a half? Absolutely. I think it's fully a realistic goal. Mm -hmm. 20 pounds in the next like month and a half. Probably not. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) One of my favorite posts that you guys do, and I think this goes back to Nat, your differentiation between real and realistic is when you guys do the, the 
the posts about, hey, we've done the same workouts for the last five years together and look at the different results that they've gotten us. Because people get in their minds, it's like, if I do, again, ABC workout, I will get XYZ result. And it's such a great... um, visual representation of like, you both can do the exact same workout. You can work out simultaneously together and it produces very different results because you are different humans and different genetics and different individuals and bodies respond differently to the same exact training, to the same exact workout, to the same exact meal plan. Like, And so this idea that ABC equals XYZ is, is such a problematic assumption. And then my big thing is what happens when we have that assumption of ABC will equal XYZ, then if ABC doesn't equal XYZ, well, then I'm the problem. Like I must be doing something wrong instead of just recognizing, hey, it's not going to produce the same result because I don't have the same genetics or the same time or the same lifestyle or the same history that somebody else does. And the problem isn't you. (laughs) The problem is your expectations that it will be one certain way or another. Totally. Or, or, even those who may not even realize that they're doing that, they think it's like the program or whatever. They just hop from, yes. hop from program to program without yeah, to find the magic one. Time. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. Yeah. And it's either like I must be the problem, or she does everything right, right, mm. and therefore I do everything wrong. It's like you could actually have some people who just do like half and get a certain result, right? Like, and you have yeah. people who go full all in and they don't even get half of that result, right? It's just, it's never going to feel fair, I guess is the point. And, and, it, and it isn't fair, right? That like, it's like when you're a kid and you thought life was supposed to be fair and then you became an adult, you realize it, it, it never is fair. It's like that realization in your fitness journey, it's not fair, sorry. Like, and coming to terms with that allows you to have, give yourself some grace. Like it's not fair. She may be able to do way less than you. She may be able to be cut way higher in calories than you. It's not fair, but that's reality. Well, and also connected to what you want, right? Like, I mean, I think there was a Jenna sent me this the other day. It was a girl who's like cutting at like 2,400 calories. And she's like, what is this? <laughs> like it has to exist somewhere on some space and plane, right? It's, yeah. it's but real, it's, but, but it may not be realistic for you. 100%, yeah. right? There's our real realistic, right? It's like, well, and to be imagine fair, to be able to cut on 2,400 calories, who would complain? <laughs> right. Well, but to be fair too, it isn't always real. And I think that was like circling back to one of the first things you talked about social media is like, just because it's on social media doesn't actually mean it's real. People lie mm-hmm. all the time on social media. They lie about their calories. They lie about what they're doing. They lie about how much cardio they're doing because they, they know that there is a persona that people want to follow. People don't want to follow somebody who has to do four hours of cardio and cut it 1100 calories in order to look a certain way. Nobody wants to follow that person. They want to follow the person who can eat 2,400 calories, do zero cardio and look a certain way. And that's, you just have to have that in the back of your mind when you're following these people. I'm not saying everyone's lying, but <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, they I, might not so even true. know that they're lying. They might sure. be, right? They may live, be living a totally unhealthy lifestyle and the floor just hasn't dropped out yet. Sure. <laughs> or, exactly. or they just don't really understand the whole the whole story, you know. I love the irony in it all because it's like the hard work is supposed to be inspirational, but also the no work is inspirational. <laughs> I think, and I think that's ironic. On Instagram, I think the no work is more inspirational. It's like everybody wants to do zero cardio and eat a ton of calories and have a six pack and it, that's, that's inspirational to people. Yeah. Effortless. I, I mean, macro, the thing that caught, that got me to start macros was seeing Heidi Powell's post of eating like, like 14 Waffles. eggos or something. And I was like, what diet? I want that. This. Yeah. And finally, it's, it's amazing when you look at Heidi Powell, now you're like, oh, I know why she can do that. I know. Right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Can we talk about building muscle? Because yeah. Um, I think that this is something that all three of us have, uh, a passion to help women to do is to pick up the barbell, pick up the weights, like incorporate resistance training into your, into your workouts. I think all of us preach that we all want more women to be lifting more weight. But I think especially for people who come into this a little bit later in life or are starting this, their expectation has to do with cardio and how fast they saw adaptation with cardio mm-hmm. and how quickly they saw their body adapt and be able to run. You know, they only were run, able to run one mile and then a couple of weeks later, they're able to run three and then seven. Oh and it's like, it adapts so quickly <laughs> and then they come and then they come to weightlifting and they're like, what the heck? Why is this taking so long? And then we all get the question, like, how long is this going to take? And we 
say, oh, sit down. Oh, let's have a conversation <laughs> about this. So can we talk about like realistic timeframes for what it looks like to actually build muscle, to actually look like you lift so that people have some realistic expectations, especially if they're coming into this and they've never lifted before and they're 35 and this is their first time touching a weight. I think we actually probably need to break them even separately because building muscle, getting strong and looking like it are all, all different, different goals. <laughs> yeah. Going back to I Heidi's mean, thing where you got to separate out the goals. Those are different goals with different paths to get there and different timelines. So let's there just, might be like a Venn diagram. There sure. might be overlap, right? Yep. We should create that. Okay. So let's just start with the first one. Let's just talk about getting strong. We're not talking about aesthetics right now. And we're not talking about, um, what was the other one? Building muscle. Building muscle. Maybe those tie into get together a little bit strong and building muscle, but let's just well, I think you can like build muscle, but then people want to like look like they lift, which right, is a right, different right. aesthetic than just so, so let's touch aesthetics totally. at the very end because then that ties into genetics, right? So <clears throat> getting strong. Okay, well, how strong do you really want to be or need to be? I guess yes. is like my first question, right? Like, because we know that strength is an adaptation to the things that you need to accomplish in life. If you don't really have like a need to like I don't know, move 300 pound boxes or 400 pound boxes, but maybe just moving like bags of rice in like one swoop or a Costco trip. Like I know that's a lot of goal. Like take my Costco trip in like one round. I mean, obviously we have all the disclaimers, like how big is your family? How much are you buying from Costco? (laughs) I mean, I think most of us can take in one grocery trip in one swoop. Like I think stack all the bags you know, (laughs) five to eight bags worth of stuff doing this right now. (laughs) But I mean, it just kind of depends. Like how strong do you need to be? I guess this would be my first question, right? If it's just an overall quality of life, I think that actually can happen fairly quickly if you are really lifting. Mm. Right. I mean, I don't, I think, I think you'd be amazed at what you can, I think you'd be amazed at how strong you currently are that you don't give yourself credit for. Mm -hmm. I think that right out the gate, when you have people who have never lifted before and they're like, oh, this actually, I can do a whole lot more. Because I mean, obviously, if you've carried an infant carrier or a Britex car seat, or you have taken your groceries in or lifted anything, on, even holding on the other side of a couch with somebody else or whatever, mm-hmm. you do have like a level of strength already that you probably don't know about, right? I think a lot of women are a lot stronger than they think they are. That being said, how strong do you need to be and how long does it take to get strong? I mean, that's just dependent mm-hmm. on how strong do you need to be, right? It's like a very lux like number in my head right like mm-hmm. i don't know like like you're talking about like how like how do you measure like how yes. do you measure strength yeah i i mean for my part i would say i with 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 a a percentage that do get the badass vision of being strong i would i would say probably most women that say they want to get strong actually mean they want to look yeah. They look like they look. It's like saying like the people are people, when people say like, I just, I, I want to, I want to be healthy when what they really mean is I want to lose body fat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think for some, to give a little bit of realistic expectation to, for like people who are coming in brand new lifters, it is realistic. If you're a newbie lifter to put 50 pounds on your squat in two to three months, like mm-hmm. that's realistic for a brand new lifter to PR your squat every single time you go into the gym for the first three months. And let me tell you, it's freaking exciting as a newbie lifter because last time you back squatted 45 pounds and now you're back squatting 50. And then next time it will be 55 Mm -hmm. and then it will be 60. And like every single time you're freaking PRing and that's really exciting. So I think, you know, to Nat's Nat's, um, point is like that first little part of the like getting strong, you can get strong pretty dang fast. Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily going to translate into what Heidi said, which is when a lot of people say they want to get strong. They want to look strong. Like that's a different thing, but you can P you can continue PRing and have that linear progression with your weights going up for a good little while. And so you give it, you know, three Except to six the lateral raises that the key get cap real quick. Okay. <laughs> okay. We're talking about like compound lifts, right? <laughs> okay, okay. I just want a little disclaimer in there because there was the girl who was like, I should be able to do 20 pound lateral raises by now. I'm like, says who? <laughs> yeah. Your muscles are so baby. <laughs> right. So let's like, like just talk about that real quick is like, there is a big difference between an isolation lift, which is like a lateral raise and a compound lift, which is like uh, overhead press. Yeah, yeah. Where you're like using not just your deltoid or just like the lateral part of your deltoid, which is like a lateral raise. It's not, you're not even using your whole deltoid. You're supposed to be just using the lateral part of your deltoid. Um, and a overhead press like where you're increasing using- your grip strength, doing pinky raises. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that that is, is helpful for people to know is like, if your goal is to get strong, you can get 
pretty strong in like a good six month program, you will be shocked at how much more you can lift. And then like Nat said, it kind of starts to slow down. And then the question starts to become, well, how strong do I really need to be? And this was my experience in powerlifting was like, I got to the point where it was like, okay, I, I think I PR'd my back squat at like 232 was my heaviest one ever. And I kept working to like try and increase that. And I realized if I wanted to add like five pounds to my back squat, it was going to take me six to 12 months to add five pounds. Like that's the point that I was at genetically. And that seemed like a real bummer to me. (laughs) That seemed like I, I don't want to work for six to 12 months to add five pounds to my squat. I'm strong enough. You know, like this is, this is good. I'm, I'm, I'm out. hundred percent. I think it's, it's like always the juice is worth the squeeze. It's like the, the rate of return after a certain point, you got to ask yourself, is it really worth the time to put into it? Right. Like, you know, I don't know that I'll ever get my 300 deadlift, but like right now I can probably hover in like the 270, 280 range. And that's probably good enough. Right. Right. Like even though my ego wants a 300, the work to get the 300 is a lot less work than the work to get a 270 or 275 for me currently. So it's just like, it's just easier just to stay here. Right. In a way. I mean, even today we are back squatting and like, Philip, you asked like 70% of like our ever, 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 ever PR or like our last one. Like, and so what I could do today, that was when I was like, I want to do it off of what I could do today. (laughs) (laughs) And kind of for the context for you guys, for strong, it's like, it's also not linear. Like you don't just get to keep it because done it. Right. No, no, no. I there's no way in heck. I I don't even know if I could like just pull 230 out of the rack right now. Like (laughs) pull 230 off the rack, go down. You'd be terrified. I would would not make it back up. (laughs) Hey, but at least you could go down with it. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so, okay. Getting strong. Okay. So then the other two was like building muscle and then looking like you lift. So let's talk about timeframes for those. Cause that's a very, it's a very different contextual conversation. Heidi, I think you're the best one to talk about this because to, for like reference, Matt and I do CrossFit and Heidi has been doing more bodybuilding. And so she's been in that world more. And so I think you can really speak to how much time you've put into it and what you've seen in terms of timing and results? Yeah. Um, well, it's, my, yeah, it's a little bit of a, I have a little bit of a conflicted answer because um, the the reason that I, so, so we went to, we went to bodybuilding during the pandemic and a combination of focusing on, you know, at that point, at the point we'd done CrossFit for a few years and I'd never really done bodybuilding before. Um, so I, even having, even having worked out consistently for several year, years, I still did get some newbie gains, I would say. Yeah, um, you will get newbie gains. Yeah. And then, um, <laughs> yeah, for sure, which is, you know, a little bit similar to what Amber was talking about, about the, in the beginning, it just seems like, you know, exponential. You, yeah, like you, the sky's the limit, which is a, which is a really exciting feeling. And it did, it, you know, there was definitely some of that energy. And then, uh, that was the, the, the leanest and the most cut I ever got. Right. Which is, so this is where we're kind of in the overlap of the Venn diagram because, um, <clears throat> there is a certain, you do, it is re- to look like you lift, to look like bikini pro level lift, which is definitely, I mean, I'm not saying I got there, but, but you have to be, um, body fat wise, pretty lean in order to reveal that. Right. But at that point, you know, I, I, Sorry, I don't mean to make this like my my auto my, you know my biography, but um, so I would say yeah. when it comes to when when it comes to losing body fat, we 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 measure that progress in weeks and months. When it comes to building muscle, we measure that progress in months and years. Um, so you you will get a certain boost, like a like a <laughs> the old video games we used to play where you could hit the nitros and you go a little faster for a little bit, right? Like you can get a boost with newbie games, but at, but don't let that fool you into thinking that your progress is going to be that rapid. And some people that's not even rapid enough, right? Because we get questions about how long is this going to take. So in order to get newbie games, you want to be able to you want to be um, or newbie games or building muscle, you want to be doing it often enough. So consistency and intensely enough that your muscles have to respond by like, she's going to keep doing this. <laughs> we People, we got, we got to catch up. <laughs> yeah. And so you have to be eating enough to support that growth. Right. So it, it is like multiple variables need to be kind of lined up in order to make that process happen. And it's, 
it's not the easiest thing in the world to maintain. So, um, did I answer your question? I kind of got, I kind of got lost in my own memory. No, I, I, I think it's, I think it's good. I think one thing that is kind of a tough pill for a lot of people to swallow. And I remember reading about this when I was studying more about like bodybuilding and, and looking, cause I went through the same kind of phases where it's like, I first wanted to get lean. Then I wanted to get really, I wanted to look like I lift and then I wanted to get really strong. Right. So I went through phases of, of each of those being a goal. And I remember doing some reading when I was in that like bodybuilding phase and them saying, yeah, you're going to have those newbie gains, right? And then it's going to plateau out and it's going to take a lot longer to continue to build muscle. But there is nothing like having years and years and years of weightlifting under your belt. Like there's something that happens to the body and the muscle you build and the way that you look for somebody who's been lifting for 10, 15, 20 years. And it's one of the reasons in the bodybuilding world, a lot of times the older um, contestants will win versus the younger contestants because they've just had more years of lifting under their belt. Like there's just something that happens with the muscle that a developed physique only can happen over, like you said, years and not even like two years, like five years, 10 years. And I don't say that to, to discourage people from starting. Cause then people get in their head and they're like, Oh, well I haven't been lifting. So why would I even start? But it's like, yeah, 10, five, 10, 15 years is going to pass. Where do you want to be in, in that time? So use that as more of a setting realistic expectations. Like your body, if you're just a brand new lifter is never going to look like that Instagram model who has been lifting since she was 15 or 20 years old. Like it just takes time to develop a physique that looks like that. And so giving yourself the grace. And I think Nat, you, you do such a good job of talking about this of like, what's your goal for doing this? If it really only is to like, look like you lift, you're probably going to quit and give out before you actually get there because you got to You got to do it because you want to do it. Cause you like the yes. lifting. Cause you like yes. going, cause you enjoy the process. Yes. Like if you are just in it for the, the gains, and it's 15 years out, you're never going to stick with it long enough to see those developed gains. I totally a thousand percent agree. Well, and even like, let's give even a little bit of context. You could actually be building muscle and doing hypertrophy-based progressive overload for five years and still not, air quote, look really aesthetic. Totally. A lot of it comes down to genetics. So I think there's even yes. another layer of mm-hmm. genetics and expectations, age. right? Because, <laughs> because it's, it's, I mean, it's, I think it's an interesting thing. I mean, even just like the very abstract, I want to look like I lift. What does that even mean? Right. Like you, if you can lift weights, you look like you lift, right? Right. (laughs) You want to look defined and you know, these, you know, this pops here and this pops here. That's actually an aesthetic result, right? Because for even when we were all doing CrossFit and even now it's like, we are incredibly strong and we move a ton. Do I walk out in the world and everyone knows that I like, Oh, she lifts or that I can like deadlift a certain amount. No, No. like, yeah, I probably look a little bit more, um, is my posture better? That's actually probably a first tell of somebody who lifts weights. Mm It's like, you actually have better posture, Mm -hmm. walk a little bit taller. Like these are like the indicators of someone who looks like they lift someone who is strong, actually walks better, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have better posture. We brace our core. We move a lot more confidently because we have a little bit more body awareness. Like that's what someone who looks like they lift looks like to me. Mm -hmm. But as far as like looking aesthetic, I mean, my favorite is when people are like, I don't want to do CrossFit because I don't want a CrossFit girl's body. And I'm like, oh, well, if you want to look like a games athlete, yeah, that doesn't happen to like 95, <laughs> like 98% of us. Like, mm-hmm. like Amber and I and Heidi would love to look like games athletes. Can you imagine? It's like <laughs> doing, I mean, we've been CrossFitting what, five, six years now. I don't look like a CrossFit athlete. No, we're close. Like, I mean, it's just, that is part of A, their genetics and also the time spent, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and so this is part of it too. It's like, don't worry, sweetheart. You're not going to look like a CrossFit girl unless you really intentionally go to look like a crossfit girl right like you put the work in to look like one. and the same thing goes with like the bikini pro end of that like it's a very intentional process it doesn't just happen overnight right like now here's where the genetic genetic part comes in right like we all have we all have genetic potential to look a certain way right and a trained body is always going to look better than an untrained body now that better that air quote look better that's going to be subjective to the individual right like most times you will walk around and I mean, even we've seen like games athletes in like regular clothes. They don't actually look like games athletes. Yeah. <laughs> they just look like normal people in clothes. Right. And so unless you're like walking around all the time, flexing, great lighting, you know, dressing in a certain way, like to air quote, always look like you lift is a very hard aesthetic to match. Right. Mm-hmm. Most people in, in Instagram are posing, lighting, they're, they're literally Getting doing a pump thing. before they do a photo. <laughs> exactly. exactly. It's like, you mean Amber walked you guys through her photo shoot. Like she did a bunch of push-ups before she did some pictures. It's like, yep. 
there this no most people don't walk around that way. I mean, even like Jordan Lips, okay, when he flexes everywhere, when he sits there talking to us on Zoom and his just looks like a normal dude. looks like a normal dude, right? <laughs> yeah. And so this is also part of it too. If you're thinking that you want to walk around looking aesthetic all the time, that's also something that's probably an unrealistic expectation. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong, like you're like putting something overhead and like you have a short sleeve <laughs> shirt on. Yeah, it'll show it. up, yeah. right? Because you're using them. But as far as like you know, what building muscle looks like or what aesthetics look like. Those are very intentional processes that take time and sometimes don't even yield the same results. Like, I don't know what it would take for me to ever have an upper jack, a jack upper body. Like, I don't know that genetically I, that's, I'm capable of it. Like, can I be really strong overhead? Yes. Arguably I'm probably stronger overhead than lower, depending on like the percentages that I can lift based on what the other ones are, but I don't know that I will ever look as like sculpted as like Heidi and Amber. Genetically, that's just not. So my body responds. Yeah. yeah. However, my lower body, my legs can look super lean and jacked, but they don't do as much as my upper body does. Right. <laughs> so it's also part of that realization that like, just because people look a certain way doesn't actually mean they can do the things that you think they do. And just because people don't look a certain way doesn't mean that they can't do anything. Yeah. And that's part of that comparison process and that expectation that we also want to make sure that we're aware of, right? It's like, just because someone looks a certain way doesn't mean that they are strong mm-hmm. or they built a ton of muscle, right? It could just be, it's kind of like my seven-year-old Finn, sorry, I'm talking so much, but his friend Luke has a six pack. The guy's, you know, seven years old. We all know that he didn't do anything for that six to pack. get that six pack. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't like, you know, like hitting the gym. Yeah. He wasn't yeah. like bulking and then cutting and like whatever. It's just that's his genetics. And so be careful when you're looking at expectations that you're not looking at someone's DNA and their genetic potential versus like what's available to you. Right. Because some of us will naturally lend a certain way, which is per the times, right? Like what is socially acceptable or desirable right now. And some of us will just always just be you know, another, another way. And neither of them are air quote, right or wrong. It's just more of like understanding, like, this is like, I understand that I will probably never look super jacked on my upper. Doesn't mean I'm going to stop doing things. I'm still well, and, strong up top. Right. And that's what I think is the important part of that statement is like, if you're only focusing on the outcome and you don't get the outcome that you want, you're just, you're just not going to keep doing it. Right. If, if your only outcome that was to like get a jacked upper body and you did put on all this work and you didn't get a jacked upper body, you would be super discouraged and you would quit. But the difference and the reason that you don't is because yeah. Would you like a jacked upper body? Sure. But like your focus and what you're like in love with is the process. You're in love with like doing the shoulder press, even if it doesn't get you a jacked upper body. You're in love with doing a, a jerk and learning how to like do these things with your upper body, even if it doesn't get you the net result. And so I think that to me, that is the key that I want people to take away. If you really want to do this and you really want to have longevity with lifting weights and you really want to have longevity with your body, it's like you have to fall in love with the process. I know it's super, you know, double tap on Instagram and we all like, are like, oh, that sounds great. Like, you know, fall in love with the process. But it really is true because Nat wouldn't be here if the only reason she was lifting was to build a jacket body. She would have quit a long time ago. But she's still here because that's, you know, she loves the process of what, you know, it doesn't matter what result you get. It's like you enjoy the process of it. Or like you would just do it anyways, right? It's like, we like clean clothes. We do laundry anyways. We all love to like not do laundry. Sure. But do you like clean clothes? You do, right? And if you like being strong. And if that is something that you really want is from a quality of life perspective, which I guarantee you, like everybody wants, they just don't know it. Sometimes this is the process that gets you the life and the longevity that you think like thin will or the pounds lost will, or looking a certain way will. Right. It's like, like that, like that is the life that like you do this for. Yeah. Yeah. Muscle is the anti-aging. You want to (laughs) anti-age build muscle. Like that is the key to longevity. Yeah. And, and I'll just add one little, one little extra to that, which is like, even though I'm doing bodybuilding right now, which is typically for aesthetics, it's because I have a a ton of strength imbalances and I'm working on movement patterns, which is another huge benefit of strength training as you age is you're, you're, you are reinforcing and strengthening the movement patterns that people hire hire caregivers for. Um, Oh, totally. Lifting, standing, getting things overhead. All yeah, of you you know who like doesn't throw out their back when they like go to 
move boxes are people who deadlift. Yeah. <laughs> so like uh, as people age and they do things like throw out their back or like whatever, it's like if you were stronger, you would be able to do that movement pattern under somewhat of a load because you your back had adapted to it. So, you know, longevity in terms of injury, in terms of being able to provide, you know, do things for yourself, activities of daily living, um, it, like adding muscle will keep you younger, longer. Yeah. And, and build a sense of embodiment, which is a total quality of life issue as well. Yeah. Okay. Can we talk about cutting? Because I think this is the third one, right? This is like the aesthetic, which Heidi so well pointed out. It's like the building muscle is part of it. But if you want to quote unquote, look like you lift, that's like oftentimes building muscle and losing fat, right? That that's, it's a two prong process. So now we get into cutting and I think there's a whole world that we can open up with expectations uh, and entitlement when it comes to cutting and what people expect when they go into that process, especially if they, they're like, I've done it all right. I took the time. I ate at maintenance. I built the muscle and now I want to cut. And now I have an expectation that this is going to be magical and all my hard work is going to show up in my body and then get really super disappointed when it doesn't pan out the way that they expect it to. So I think we need to like start with like, if you have not done a gain phase or not been in maintenance very long, you have not built that much. Sorry. Right. right. And if you've been cutting more than you've not been, you're also not building your best in a deficit, by the way. So for the, all the people who are like, I want to cut so I can reveal all this muscle. And it's been like eight weeks or six weeks since you've like just been in your last cut. There's nothing to reveal, sister friend. I'm super sorry. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, them's the truth right? Yes. You're just wasting your time in another cut, or you don't like the fact that like you're not in a cut, or there's an expectation that you're going to be, I can't even tell you how many times we've heard, like I'm cutting and I don't see anything. It's like, because you can't there's see something. To see. Built, right? yeah. Yeah. So let's take this conversation. Like, let's just assume that you have been intelligently lifting. And we're talking about that too, right? I mean, yeah. your programming also makes a difference too. If you've just been doing, sorry, I love CrossFit, but if I've been doing CrossFit for six years, there's nothing to cut to. Not really. Right. Mm-hmm. I haven't been con- like, concentrating on building muscle and aesthetics, right? So for an aesthetic purpose, right? So that is part of it too. So getting into a deficit and like what you can air quote reveal requires there to be something to reveal in the first place. Okay. Um, so that timeline, spend more time lifting than you're not, you know, that is really what's going to like benefit you from like a cut down to reveal all this muscle air quote mm-hmm. thing that people say, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we're talking to give an example, like <clears throat> an intelligent program would be something that that includes several compound movements, some ex- some accessory work. Like you're spending an you know an hour, uh, three to five times a week, at least an hour, like working. Uh, what else? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Put it this way: if you're feeling kind of bored, you're doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you're you're lift you're pushing yourself to lift heavy over time. Um, you're eating enough calories to support that. You're you're getting good recovery. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we'd say. I mean, de- including newbie gains in that process. Maybe even your your loadings with some creatine. Like you, you probably start to note. I would I would think you'd start to notice some definition again based on the person and the amount of body fat that you have. Six, eight, uh, like ten, twelve months, something like that. But we're talking about you're starting to see definition. Not all of a sudden you just like you know you you pop out of the shower one day and you're like holy crap I'm jacked. Yeah, you know? or like you're like booty took someone out the other day because. Yeah. You know, it was popping. Right? Yeah, it's going to be just like just like you're slowly adding weight, you know, to what you can lift. You be like, it's like, I mean, if you if everything is in, if all the stars are aligned, we're looking at like possibly a half pound to a pound of muscle a month. Yeah, yeah, and it's a lot like fat loss in that it happens really slowly, and mm-hmm. oftentimes your mental image doesn't catch up with it. Like it doesn't, you don't see it, and so you look at yourself, and you've been lifting for six months, and you're like, I don't see anything. But you have to remember that's because you've looked at your body every day for the last six months, and your brain just like doesn't see the change. So yeah. this is where I really encourage: if your goal is to build muscle, like you got to be taking relax and flexing progress pictures because you will start to see that probably not even in your relaxed photos, but you'll start to see it hopefully in your, your flexing photos. And that will give you a realistic perspective instead of just like looking in the mirror and being like, well, I don't think anybody thinks changed. It's like, yeah, but it's because it happens slowly. Yeah. Totally. And, and, and measurements too. Yes. Measurements. Yeah. And that you're, you're 
really being attentive to the process. Like you're watching form videos and you're making yeah. your, you know, you're keeping notes of where you're at and you're, you're really um, taking the process seriously. I think it's like a, so he fit has an analogy about like the paper towels. Like when you're, yeah. when you're losing body fat, it's like, it's just a very, that's a, it's a really good point, Amber. Yeah. Yeah, and so. also, we're just going to throw it out there. You're just not that objective about yourself. Sorry. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Totally. None of us are, right? That's yeah. Yeah. It's like, including, like coaching I, is oh, a thing. Yeah, including yeah. me. Yeah, yeah for sure. We, we're yes. also included <laughs> in this too. But it's also just like most people are like, I mean, if you're catching yourself in some killer lighting, it's also highly recommended. Right? <laughs> yeah. Top-down lighting. Top-down is- lighting. <laughs> and also at night, like when you're about to like get into bed, like is probably when you look the most jacked, right? Like dim. <laughs> It's kind of like in your car, right? When you have like the oh yeah, the car, the car light mirror. When you look at nighttime and check your light, you all of a sudden you're so glowy and pretty and happy, and it's just kind of same kind. Just recommended. Yeah, ten out of ten would recommend. Yes, um, I want to talk about uh, cutting, like so, like cutting multiple times because you know we're all of us are really big on like don't just sit there and just cut for like your till your eyeballs fall out, right? It's like we need to be cycling through cutting, reversing, maintaining, maybe going into a bulk, going into a something. You guys like Sorry, that. I'm still laughing about that. If your eyeballs fall out, just like we have just a lot of problems. One day, like plunk, plunk in your honeycomb. Too far. Oh, too no. far. <laughs> um, but then, you know, if you're, if, if you're doing it, popped in my head. <laughs> if you're doing it right, like you're probably going to have more than one cut. And something that Nat and I were talking about is the expectation that your first cut is going to look like your third cut is going to look like your fifth cut is going to look like cut three years from now. And then when it doesn't, you're like, what the heck, what's wrong? Uh, Am I doing something wrong? And recognizing that every single time that you go through a a cut or maintenance or any of the phases, like it's a new time, you're at a new phase, you're at a new part of your, of your journey. And it's not going to look exactly the same as it did last time. Mm -hmm. Like, and not even close. Like, even if you did one, like six months ago, it's going to look different from the one, like three months from now. It's just, it's a real mistake to to assign your progress and your results on something that's happened in the past. I mean, it's like yeah. same thing we were just talking about a little bit ago. Like just because you've lifted it before, it doesn't mean you can lift it again all the time consistently. Mm-hmm. It's just, you're a different person. Lots of factors are are involved in having a successful cut. And so really the most experts will tell you to just take it as is like start it from exactly where you're at and like assess the situation that way. And what's realistic for you. Once again, that word realistic, what's possible for you. Is this a good timeline? I mean, you're not the same person you were even six months ago. So to treat a, a cut like it was six months ago, I mean, we, I can't even tell you probably how many times we've heard like, I've done this before. Mm-hmm. I've done this before. Or like, I'm in, I know how to count macros or I know it. It's like, that's wonderful. And you see, so you have a little bit of context of like results and maybe what's possible for you, but it's not going to ever look the same. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know that there's ever been a time I've cut and I probably cut maybe five or six times since my very first one counting macros and they've never been the same, mm-hmm. not the same results, not the same timelines, not the same amount of re- like results and inches and things like that. Like they're different mm-hmm. every single time. So approaching it fresh is really, really key. And you owe it to yourself to give yourself, you know, use what use the knowledge you've curated in the past from what has been successful for you and what is not. I'm talking from like a, what's realistic to track for me? Am I a pre-logger? Does that, does that system work for me? Does this type of method work for me? But as far as like from a results perspective, you would do right by yourself to be like, let's just see how this goes and then make decisions from there. I, I love me a metaphor and the metaphor that was coming to my head was almost like when I was in college where it was like if I went into a class and even though I had taken a, you know, a similar class, I always had to start the class and realize this is a different class. It's going to take different things. And like you said, yeah, I take, okay, last time taking these types of notes really helped or this type of study aid really was helpful or this type of, you know, schedule was really helpful. And so I can take that from the other class, but it's a completely different class. And the grade that I get in this class is not going to be the same grade that I got in the last class. It's going to be a different experience. And so I think that's a really good way to approach subsequent cuts, subsequent maintenance, subsequent anything of like, yes, I can take what I've learned from the previous, but really coming in with that, like, this is a new experience and I'm just going to take it one day at a time and see how things go and make decisions based off of where I'm at, not based off what I did in the past. Totally. It's so, it's so funny the way we, you know, we're talking about like all these like 
confusing confusing goals and where they overlap and where they're different and whatnot. I think one of my favorite all-time comments about cutting was, I'm a math teacher. This shouldn't be so hard. <laughs> like as if being good at math has anything to do with counting macros. I love it. I'm a numbers person or something. <laughs> like it's like, oh, this is so good. Anyway, um, and it's interesting too how like remember how I, I remember how overwhelming counting macros was in the beginning. Like it was so I mean, mm-hmm. Amber, you were my coach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was yeah. like it seemed like uh it was there's the learning curve is so steep in the beginning and you think that it feels like such an obstacle, but it's funny how that ends up being the lack of that obstacle ends up being, you kind of, it, it, it ends up, you kind of miss you like having a Northern star, right? Mm-hmm. Like because now it's just like, um, like it was its own form of entertainment, right? Of like trying to figure it out and trying to find creative solutions and trying to, how in the hell am I going to hit my protein and like all that kind of stuff. And then the next time you do it, you're like, well, I should know all of that already. It should be automatic, right? And, mm-hmm. and anytime there's shoulds involved in your thinking, that is like a red flag for sure of um, just being careful. I mean, it's it's just interesting how not to get all of a sudden like super existential or anything, but there's, oh, please do. yeah, like it's one of, there's like a, a, a story in Buddhism about like uh, this guy goes through a series of, of trials, let us say, I, I wish I could remember the, the, the things are escaping me now, but it was like, you know, he, he had a bunch of, of chickens like that escaped or something. And, uh, he, and then because that happened, something good happened, right? Like he was able to use the land for planting or something. So every time something happened, instead of freaking out, he'd say, uh, is it a good thing? Or is it, is it a good thing? Or is it a bad thing? Right? Like me realizing I had to strengthen balance was, I thought it was a bad thing, but it set me on like a different path of building my body awareness and working on movement patterns. And now I appreciate working out in a very different way. Right? So is it a good thing or a bad thing? Um, and having, having the overwhelm of trying to figure out how to fit macros into your lifestyle. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? Because then later you're like, Oh, it should already be here. It shouldn't be so hard. And you start beating up on yourself in a different way. So um, I think you guys are exactly right. Of course, like approaching every cut, like it's different and realizing like, where are the energy drains in my in my life? What is, how can I make this easier? How can I make room for this? How can I, make my lifestyle more supportive because yeah, like (laughs) when powerlifting is your goal, you can get to 235 when it is not your main focus. You can't. Right. And and same thing with any of us, right? Like it has to be, if it's going to be a major focus, like this is what you want to do. It cannot be an add on habit, just like willy nilly, like, Oh, I think I'll just squeeze this in as if it's not, it's literally taking energy away from your life, literally in the form of a calorie deficit, that's going to require some um, compensation in other areas. And that hence we have the trade-off of, is it worth it? Um, and what do you need to do? How do you need to shift your life in order to accommodate this new focus on this goal? Mm-hmm. So I think it's, <laughs> I think it's interesting too, Heidi, because, um, you know, I coached you when, uh, nuance as a coach was not, I was, I was a new coach, right? So it's like, here's this tool. I'm going to give it to my client and yeah, you're going to count all three macros and you're going to do it well and you're going to figure it out. And it becomes this thing and you brought up Buddhism. So I'm going to bring up another <laughs> Buddhist philosophy, which is this idea of the finger pointing at the moon. Have you heard this one? So it's this idea that so oftentimes there's this finger that's pointing at the moon and we focus so much on the finger instead of what it's pointing to. And I think that this happens a lot with macro counting, where instead of focusing on the moon, which is like the outcome you want and, and what it's offering you, we focus on the finger and we become really dogmatic about here's exactly how you have to count macros and you have, you have to do all three and you have to zero out your macros. And if you, you know, that, that's what we got to work on. That's where we got to get you to. And in my mind, that's focusing on the finger that's pointing to the moon, not actually yes. where you want to go, which is, which is the moon itself. And so obviously, you know, I've grown as a coach, we've all grown as coaches and realizing like that dogma of, of having the, the thing be the macros and having that be the thing that we focus so much time and energy and attention on as coaches, we've realized that, that it's missing the mark. It's missing what we're actually trying to get people to. 
Yeah. And I think it's like with your analogy to kind of continue with the moon, it's like, how important is it for you to get to that moon? Right. Like you think that, you know, if you watch hidden figures, we love that movie. It's like lots of things had to happen for you to get to the moon. Lots of things failed. Lots of things didn't work. Lots of reevaluations. Lots of different than you thought it would be. Yes. It's, I mean, and every single time you go to the moon, it's going to be a different experience no matter what. Right. And so it's, it's so weird that you're bringing this up because I, well, there's a song lyric this morning that was like, I'm going to get to the moon, even if I have to crawl. And I was like, Oh, that's so interesting. Because, (laughs) You cannot get to the moon, especially if you crawl. not if you're only crawling. Right, yeah, 100%, right? <laughs> and it's like, we have this perception, I think, and kind of like, you know, this whole podcast in a nutshell, it's like, you know, if the work is too hard for you and it's not worth it to you, then you get to reevaluate what is realistic for you, right? It's like, yes, you know, and there's, there's no the, shame in that. Yes. Like, I think let's take the shame out of this of like, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not, I'm not willing to do four hour cardio things. And that means like, I'm a loser. Like, let's take the shame out of it. I mean, like, it's not worth it for me. And I get to decide where I put my priorities. That's important. And one of like, one of the biggest goal killers, I think is this belief that like, I work so hard. Where are my results? Or I work so hard already. You know, it's like saying like the person that has two jobs should be making more money than the person with one job because Mm. they work so hard. It's like Mm -hmm. everything is, it's all context, right? And it's all, and it depends. And, you know, one of the things I love that always, that Heidi always brings up, it's like shame, you know, is an acronym for like should have already mastered everything. It's like, Mm. there is no point where you will do that. Even the masters of masters will tell you that there's still things for them to work on because that is part of the process, right? The moon process is an ever ongoing one, right? And maybe it's not worth it for you to go to the moon this time, but there's also beauty in acknowledging your goals and your expectations around that as well. It's like, it's not, a, it's not moon time for me right now. Right? Totally. And if you're not able to get to, a, if, if if that feels impossible to make that call of like, this goal isn't worth it, that that could be an indication that your worth is wrapped up in that goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and realizing that, you know, the, um, you know, what makes you, you, and where your worth lies, right? Like if, if you, if you lose body fat, is that version of you, the real you, if you gain body, you know, if you lose an arm, if you do like these different things that we, that we qualify as like, you know, quote unquote, the real us or the better us, you know, that, that, that it's like the same type of energy when people confuse consistency with perfection, Mm. right? Just like the, the, arm hang the desperate arm hang of like I can't feel better until I get to this place and it's just you the again it's your relationship with the process that determines how how it feels and your self-esteem is always going to be limited by the parts of yourself that you feel what we find the most objectionable Mm -hmm. so um it really I love I love this um business that we're in of like this the duality of like the the physical data, but also all of the, like, all the opportunity you have to learn about yourself in the process. Totally. If you you want to take it. It makes me think of the Dunning-Kruger effect too, where, um, when you're, when you're early on in your journey, you tend to think, you know, more than you really do. (laughs) And then the further you are in your journey, the more you realize how little, you know, and how little you understand. And I see that a lot of times with people when it comes to like macro counting, or it comes to their fitness journey is like, you think you have all of the knowledge when your brand spanking new and you just are just going to put in the effort and you're going to get the result. Like that's follow the plan. Just just follow the plan. And it's just like super easy. And when you become more advanced and more experienced, you recognize that that's super silly, (laughs) super silly. that I thought that way and realize that you actually know way less than you thought you did. And I think that's where you come into each subsequent cut being like, I know nothing. Like, (laughs) I I don't know what this is going to be like. Um, and that, that is a more mature and a more elevated way to, to go through this process. Um, and, and actually shows that, you know, more when you admit what you don't know. Yeah. The experts will look for the things they don't know, not go only hinge on the things that they do. Right. right? And that's really what this whole thing is about. It's like a trial and error for yourself, right? Like, yeah, it took me a long time to realize that like, I wouldn't have certain aesthetic results. And then now I can have peace with it. Right. You could take it off the table and then my trip to the moon looks a lot different. Right. Mm -hmm. Really good. Totally. And pretending things like aren't challenging is not like positive thinking. <laughs> like, like it's, it's okay to say it, it's hard and you can do it, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, that's what you talked about. I think too, that's also a more mature way to to think about things when you talked about duality is like Mm -hmm. the more mature we are, the more we're able to hold that duality of like, this is hard and I can do it. Uh, When you're, when your thinking is less mature, it it becomes binary. It becomes one or the other. And the more mature way is understanding both. You can hold both seemingly opposing things simultaneously and be able to handle those paradoxes and and, and manage them. You can feel two things at once. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, we just solved the world's yeah. problems. <laughs> what did it take? 45 minutes? <laughs> just That's it. Look at those realistic expectations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. We talked about Buddhism twice. I mean, I think we took it to the existential, uh, ex- you know, uh, what is extreme. Put me on the mountain. It's yeah. <laughs> okay. Last, anything you guys want, like takeaways, you want someone to take away from this episode? Hmm. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, I mean, I, I think the risk of repeating myself, I, I mean, I think that taking this as an opportunity to deepen your relationship with yourself and with your body is actually like, uh, is going to transform your life in way more ways than you, than you could ever dream of. Um, but, but I I can't believe I used to ever think that working out was superficial (laughs) because it's, um, it's been, it's, it's created a profound shift in my life and my identity. Um, and, you know, arguably like taking on getting strong as, as a part of your identity, I think is a great way to, to stay, to stay motivated and stick to it in a way that focusing on, on an aesthetic result or a number on the scale just can never be. Yeah. Amen. And I think for me, if I have to sit here, you know, in, you know, what year, almost year eight of everything, it's like the best thing I could have ever done for myself was to allow myself to be a real version of myself, right? Mm -hmm. Like I don't have to chase a different version of Natalie. Like I can allow her to evolve in the way that she's going to go and ask myself, what do I really want? What is really important to me? Is that really important to me? Do I really need to have this result to be air quote happy? Am I also okay being a little bit disappointed that I can't access this, but at the same time feeling really fine about it, right? It's like sometimes in order to be a real person, by examining what's realistic for you can actually bring you a lot of peace. Right. And so I think if you could ask yourself, like, sure. I mean, it's like, it's ironic how we want this. Like everyone's like wants this one size fits all answer for everything, but at the same time, everyone's just trying to be smaller. Right. And it's like, when you allow yourself a more bigger, fuller life, which includes being strong and realizing that you're capable a lot and not saying no to things or realizing that your moon might be a different, it might be a different trajectory, right? Like that is when you feel the most like yourself. And I know that takes like a, that might be more of like a Buddhist, like pillar of mountain thing right? where you've like fasted for a million years and you realize like what you really need in life. But at the same time, it's like, I realized the second I stopped chasing something like very specific for myself, I was open to more possibilities than ever. And so it's like, really, that's what it comes down to. It's like, if you, a six, I will probably never have a six pack and I can't tell you how amazing it feels to know that about it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, so these questions and these revelations to yourself can be some of the most freeing things you do for yourself too. So ask yourself. I the risk of bringing up Buddhism another time. (laughs) There's this thing about how, like chasing only chasing positive experiences is an inherently negative experience. Mm. Whereas accepting your negative experiences is an inherently positive experience. Yeah. So, well, I think what Nat is saying too, is that oftentimes when we don't meet our expectations, we think that that has to produce disappointment. I think what you're saying is that actually that was a really freeing experience for you to set something and not hit it and make, make peace with that. It doesn't yeah. have to be, um, and that's been really freeing for you to like yeah. let go of that ec- expectation. Um, and not only one, like not only one emotion, like disappointment and freeing. Yes. Who would have thought? Yes. Right. Yeah. I, I think the last thing that I want to leave with people is that I think a lot of people get into lifting and a fitness journey and working out and macros for the way that they think it will make them look. And I think people stay with it 
for the way that it makes them feel. And I think that when you can, again, it's, I know it's super cliche. It's like when you can enjoy the process, when you can wake up and be excited to go to the gym or excited for what you're doing, um, you can let go of how it's going to change your body or how it's going to make you look or whatever. And you can just be in the, be in the journey and keep taking one, one step after the other. And so for those of you who are, who are contemplating starting a journey, contemplating starting lifting, feeling intimidated by what we talked about of how it maybe it's going to take you months to years to, to really be able to have a physical change, recognize that you may start because you want that physical change, but I guarantee you anybody who is lifting five, 10, 15 years from after they start, they're not doing it for the aesthetic. They're doing it because of how it makes them feel. Totally. It might take you the rest of your life to get strong. And that's the good news. <laughs> right. Oh, so good. So good. Okay. Well, this has been fabulous. Thanks guys for sitting and chatting and having such a good conversation and let's not let it be a this year again. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's the longest we've been able to talk in, you know, a while. It's like I know, we, between sets. It's usually in between sets in between. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Also, feels a lot different when you have some breath too, huh? I know, right? <laughs> we can say a little bit more. All right. See you tomorrow. So good. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye, guys. Bye. Heidi and Nat are awesome. I feel lucky to count them in my friends. Um, definitely check out their podcast. It's called The Butter Dish. They're, they are fantastic. They are hilarious. They are super smart and witty and really know their things. And I definitely, uh, you, you could call us competitors, Sure, fine. But I love what they're putting out in the world. And I think we need more coaches that are like them. So no competition here, just support for some two amazing people who I'm just proud to be able to be a friend with. And hopefully you like this uh, little unstructured style, a little bit more rambly. Uh, But again, these are just kind of like an insight into some of the conversations that we're having at the gym. And we thought it would be fun to bring it here on the podcast. If you liked this podcast, do me a favor, send this episode to a friend or take the time and leave a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening on. It takes like three to five minutes, which is not a lot of time. And it makes a world of difference for me and for the podcast and for the growth. This is a free content that I put out. So if you want to say thank you, you don't have to pay any money to get the content. All you have to do is leave a rating and review, and that is just a great way to give back and to say thank you for the content that is put onto the podcast. That wraps up this episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm Amber. Now go out and be strong, because remember, my friend, you can do anything. Hey, friend, have you heard the news? We have a Biceps After Babies Radio insider list. If you love Biceps After Babies Radio, you don't want to miss a thing. Head to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash insider to join the group. You'll be the first to know all things about the podcast, see some behind the scenes, and get special messages from yours truly. We want to make this a special community for those who are fans of the podcast. And last, did this episode particularly resonate with you? If so, will you please share it? Either send the link to someone who would find it valuable or take a screenshot and post it to your social media and tell your family and friends why they should listen. Make sure you tag me at Biceps After Babies so I can hear your feedback and give you a little love. And you know, if you aren't already following me on Instagram or Facebook, that's the perfect time to hit that follow button. Thank you for being here and listening to Biceps After Babies Radio.